Righteous Warrior fam, what is up? We are back again. This is our third out of four episodes of my Bridgewater College series. And guys, man, I'm so excited. Our topic today, I've been waiting to do this one for a while, but obviously me and Sam couldn't do it ourselves because neither of us are women, in case you didn't know. This episode, we're talking about femininity and womanhood. And I have a very special guest with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Kylie. I'm the founder of Women at Work, Bridgewater College's only feminist movement um, on campus. And I'm also the president of that club as well. And I work here with BC United, which is our healthy relationship program. Bada bing, bada boom. That's pretty cool. Um, what, what really made you get into like this type of work? So do you want the full story or the abbreviated story? Which one do you want to tell? I can tell either of them. I want the full story. Okay. So, we got to fill minutes here. <laughs> so you're right. So it actually was completely random. I'm a leadership minor. Mm-hmm. And so we have a seminar class in the beginning of the year that we have to take in order to get into the minor. So I was in that class and my professor gave us all a sheet of paper. It had 50 words on it. And she said, circle the 10 that mean the most to you. Right. And so I went through and I picked, you know, equal rights, um, femininity, obviously. I picked, you know health, family, that kind of stuff. And then she said, narrow it down to three. So I dropped three and it was equal rights, femininity, and I believe family. And she said, pick one. And so I picked femininity. And she said, okay, so if that's the word that you resonate with most, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I going to do about (laughs) it? And she said, so what are you going to do to be the word that you picked? And so I left that room and I came back to mine and I said, well, what am I going to do? And so I looked around and I was like, we don't have a feminist group. And the one that we have, the closest thing, hasn't been active in a couple of years. So I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I went, I wrote the Constitution. It was approved February 25th of last year. And I showed up to the meeting and I didn't really expect anyone to be there. Right. And we started with like five people. And then the next week we had 12. Mm. And the week after that we had 25. And I was like oh my god yeah like this actually means something to someone and so we started this year we had 58 people sign on and we have our first big event in two weeks october 1st and i mean that's how i started right that's how i'm here so you use the word femininity so i'm going to ask you this question what does like femininity or being feminine or like all those words what does that mean to you because a lot of people are going to say, like, oh, she's a feminist. And obviously, feminist has a very negative connotation now, more than ever. So what, is it, what does it really mean to you? See, this is going to sound like the most cliche answer. But it means whatever you want it to mean. There's no definition or constraints on what it means to be a woman. There's no definition or constraints on what it means to be feminine. Mm-hmm. If you want to wear makeup and that's what you consider feminine, then you're feminine. If you don't wear makeup and that's what you consider feminine, then that's what you consider feminine. If you are really aggressive and you identify as a woman, that's feminine. If you're not and you don't, then it's not. Then that's what's feminine for you. It honestly is whatever you want it to be. So it's a spectrum. Yeah. I got you. I had always identified it as like more of a, like a yin and yang situation, like masculinity and femininity, like they have to exist together. So like me as a, as a person, I'm clearly not, 100% 100% masculine like I did musicals in high school but a lot of guys don't so to me like that's a feminine trait that I hold but I also lift weights a lot and I do sports so that's a masculine trait that I hold so that type of like back and forth thing but um I also thought it's been very femininity as a whole has been under attack 
probably my entire life, especially from a guy's point of view, because, you know, if you are identified as like a feminine male, you know, for a long time, that was a, a thing to be kind of like ashamed of in a way. And then now it seems like being a feminine woman or being proud to be feminine or being proud to be a woman is almost under attack in this country. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, so I grew up in a male household, so I right. didn't have a mother. I didn't have a sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I only had a dad and a brother. And so for me, I grew up having your typically identified male traits. Mm-hmm. So if it's not obvious, I'm very aggressive. I'm very outspoken, and that's things that society typically labels as very masculine. Mm -hmm. However, I think due to my upbringing, I've always considered these traits to be more feminine, and I've never really put a label on what I consider masculine and what I consider feminine, because I identify as a woman, and these are the traits that I possess, so clearly they're somewhat feminine, because I have them. Right. And that's just kind of always the upbringing I've had. So, for me this is what femininity looks like, but I know for society, it's a lot different than how I perceive it and right. how a lot of people that I've met here at Bridgewater perceive it. Okay. So you do identify as a woman? Yes. Okay. So in your lifetime, I know that you were raised by men. How has have your ideas of womanhood changed as you grew older? So if you wouldn't believe it, Two years ago, I didn't understand what martial rape was. You know, when a husband forces a wife to have sex and she doesn't want to. And I didn't understand that. Right. So I grew up in a relatively conservative area. Everybody that I knew was kind of just given that, oh, you got married, usually somewhat young after college if you decided to go. And then you spent your whole life raising kids and Mm -hmm. cleaning the house and doing things that society says are very feminine. And for me, that was what I expected of myself. And I didn't really see myself doing much outside of that. Um, And then last year I arrived at Bridgewater and that kind of shifted entirely. Mm -hmm. I switched to um, an understanding that women can be whatever women want to be. And womanhood has really shifted for me to encompass everything. If you identify as a woman, you're a woman. Right. And that's that. Yeah, I rock with that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I, I definitely understand it because I grew up in a, I guess you can call it a traditional household, except my parents are very exogenous. So, I mean, I have a black dad and a white mother. But other than that, most of my entire life, my mom has always been at home. Like She's always been the cooking, cleaning, taking care of me, getting me to school, helping me with homework, all the other stuff. And my dad goes to work, comes home, eats, and goes back to sleep. Yeah, I think for me appearance wise maybe was the biggest shift so i've society more like has always had this expectation that women are really thin and they're tiny they're usually size zero size twos they wear makeup Mm. and my father is a photographer so Mm. growing up i always had models in my house shooting stuff like that i grew up being a photographer that's what i do right so for me i feel like growing up that idea that women are thin women are really small in figure and stature and size and voice was what I grew up understanding. And I think for me, I mean, I struggled with an eating disorder for the last decade and a half. So for me, shifting out of that view when I got here, I was finally able to go into recovery because I was able to see different body types for the first time in my life and be like, oh, that's what a woman looks like. It's not always these thin size zero models that I've grown up seeing. Yeah. Or um, the only woman figure I have in my life is also a size zero. So it's not just my only role model and these women that I've grown up around. It's everything. And plus size models, 
are women everyone's a woman so that's kind of I think where my biggest personal shift was that understanding that body size and body image isn't the only thing that makes a woman a woman right I think I think that's a very important distinction to make I'm glad that you made that point because um I mean I growing up as a man in society you're always taught like to by like media and stuff you're you're taught to chase the trophy wife right so the girl with like the perfect body the perfect face you know she's always has the perfect smile you know typically in america she's blonde uh she you know she can cook she can you know hang out with the guys you know she has all these like perfect traits and while i've been in college i've never met that girl (laughs) i mean i literally haven't met that girl so i think it's very important one, I think we should get away from that. And we are. You know, we're getting, we are getting away from it. I think that's one of my favorite things from what I've noticed from the, I guess you can call it the feminist movement, is we're getting away from the image of a woman. You know, all women are women. And all women can, can be attractive. But it's also important to just think that not all, like, you're not, your only purpose on this earth isn't to be attractive. Your only purpose on this earth isn't to get married. Your only purpose in this work isn't to do the woman's work, you know. I mean, there's there's a bunch of things we can talk about there, but I don't know. Have you ever had any, like, female role models? Um, I would argue when I got older. So my birth mother left my life around the age of eight, nine, and when she was in my life, she wasn't very present. Um, But I would consider my great-grandmother, I called her my mama, a role model. She passed away in 2016. I would also consider my grandmother for a while there, and also my dad's roommate. Her name is Janine. Mm-hmm. Definitely consider her. If I had three influences, it would definitely be Janine has been the most influential in my life. Why? Um, well, I met her when I was around 14, 15 years old. So it was only a couple of years ago, actually. But um, she actually emulated a lot of the values that my father has for mm-hmm. me. So my father always taught me, you know, be aggressive, speak out, that kind of stuff. Right. And she taught me the exact same things. But she also was able to teach me a lot about femininity that I didn't understand. So, periods. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no concept of how that works. She taught me about, you know, ovarian cysts. I had no idea what that was. She taught me about, you know, what it means to not let people treat you like less than you are because of your gender. And how to call people out in a way that doesn't always make you look like the bad guy. But in a way that's like, hey, what you're doing isn't appropriate and I don't respect that and I think you need to respect me more right and so those i think are a lot of skills that i've definitely used when i've gotten here at bridgewater especially the first year and so i would definitely say that that was my role model for what it's like to be a woman have you have you had any like i guess women that you look up to like in the media so this is going to sound very cliche but i don't really watch a lot of television Mm -hmm. and i don't really um honestly use social media very often so Mm -hmm. not particularly I've always noticed that, I don't know, I, I notice a lot of, like, strong women in real life because, I mean, one of my goals, I talked about it on one of the other episodes, one of my goals is to just talk to people more, and a lot of the people that I've been talking to, even just on this campus, like, a lot of people are stronger than you know, and a lot of these people are, like, very motivational to me, but um, when I remember, like, thinking back, like, middle school, early high school, like, a lot of people... A lot of the young female friends that I had, they typically chose to idolize these females more aesthetically 
then, you know, what have they done? You know, like a big example, I guess, would be Kylie Jenner until she became like the youngest female billionaire ever. <laughs> That's kind of dope. Whether you, whatever you want to say about her background, cool. A female billionaire is extremely important to me in society. Um, all of them. Um, but I mean, up until that point, when she was, you know, 18, 19, 20, what has she really done to become a role model, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand that. I mean, when I was in high school, I struggled with idolizing people that were very aesthetically beautiful because I suffered with an eating disorder and I saw that as what I wanted to be. Yeah. However, as I got older, I've kind of come to terms with the people that you see in social media aren't who they say they are. Never. Like, I know myself, <laughs> my social media isn't even remotely close to who I am as a person because I have a brand, because I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to hire me if I look awful in my photos because clearly I'm not that good at taking <laughs> pictures. Yeah. So I know for myself, I feel guilty when I post a picture because that's my brand and not who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working recently personally on making myself and my brand closer to who I am as a person. That's a whole other topic in itself. Um, for me, it's just I personally relate better with people that I can see face-to-face, mm-hmm. talk to, Agreed. and hear them speak to me. Mm-hmm. And then I feel that click. I'm like, oh... I resonate with you or I really respect what you're doing with yourself and for me those are the kind of people that I want to be around what it means for me to be a woman is somebody that actively brings everyone around them up right. and that's the kind of woman I want to be mm-hmm. would, would you uh, I only asked this question because I, gen- I had a conversation with somebody the other day and they said no like how old are you? I'm 19 you're 19 okay me too are you considering like are you considering getting married when you get older um eventually i would like to i mean granted everyone i've grown up around weddings my father is a wedding photographer janine works at a bride store bridal store i've Mm. been a wedding dj i've done it all so for me i feel like it's (laughs) like wrong for me not to get married Mm. when i've done everything in the wedding industry right and so then to you Oh man, I didn't prepare you for this question. I'm so sorry. No, but, it's okay. <laughs> but to you, what does it mean to be a wife in today's society? Um, I've personally not really thought of it that way ever. For me, it's exactly what I'm doing now. Just, I just being yourself. Yeah, <laughs> just doing what I do. Um, I've already discussed with everybody that I've dated ever that I'm not going to push my career to the side to have children. Mm, that I'm, part, okay, <laughs> I'm okay. Not, I'm not going to, you know, give up my career to have children, especially when it's something that I really want to do with my life. Yeah. And I've been kind of set on doing what I plan to do for the last, how old am I, 15 years? Yeah. So I've already discussed that. I don't really plan to be a housewife ever. I, my father grew up being a single dad, mm. so for me that was never out of the picture. And my mother, when she was around, she was a doctor. And she never pushed her career to the side for my dad. Right. She never did anything like that. So for me to be a wife is just keep doing what I'm doing. I want my kids, if I do have kids, to see me and know that they don't have to go home every night and cook and mm. clean. And go to family outings every weekend because that's what you do and go to church on Sundays I mean if you're religious and that's what you want to do yeah go ahead but for me I don't want my kids to feel like there's some expectation on them and for me I'm not just going to do that because that's what you do I'm going to do that because I actively want to right I can respect that definitely I can respect that I've never I don't know I, I've never really thought about that question either because I mean it was always until recently it was always 
just regular my brain like yeah i'm gonna get married like why wouldn't i get married and then when we started the podcast i kind of changed a little bit because it's sort of like i found my life purpose and that purpose is to help people and you know in like more of a civil rights area and then health and physical education area um health promotion and so for me i kind of agree with what you said like i'm not going to give up my passion purpose mission whatever you want to call it for somebody else oh yeah i come first and everybody else comes second yeah and that's how it's always in a way yeah Yeah. and i'm not gonna change that with a wedding band yeah i i definitely agree but that's a very i feel like that's a very new view i mean no, 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 no no that's not a new view but it's newly becoming popular like you would never okay i'm sure if you go down the street jmu like that, that view is very like different like everyone's like it's a little more traditional school but i've never it's becoming more popular in the sense that like i feel like a lot of women see that they have opportunities for careers and opportunities to do bigger things and so therefore they're chasing it more and then you know, I don't know anybody who's been married in the last couple of years. Well, I know my cousin, but tradi- a, tra- a traditionalist. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's just not. People are understanding that mar- marriage and kids and all that stuff isn't mandatory anymore. Also, who wants to have kids in this world? Like, Earth is going to be dead in like 30 years anyways. So, I mean, <laughs> what, are we, what are we really doing, doing anything for? It's, it's time for the it's time for the end. Anyways, the eschaton is coming. Y'all who read your Bible, y'all know what's going on. But um, what mark do you want to leave on young women of this and the next generation? That's a hard one. Because if you, if you ask me, I think you are a very influential, inspirational, motivational young woman of this today's society. Like, if I had a little sister or a little cousin, I'd be like, do what Kylie's doing. Like, she's doing, <laughs> she's doing it right. Thanks. Um, so for me... Well, you you already know, I've been through the ringer yeah. <laughs> a couple of times around. Yeah. So for me, it would just be that somebody, women, men, because both of them experience equal amounts tragedy. But whoever it is that hears my story, I just hope that it teaches them to do better. Mm. That's mostly the only mark I really want to leave. If five people hear my story and they do better, mm. I'm sad. Yeah, I feel that. I respect that, and. That is something that I think a lot of people, a lot of people say, but they don't mean it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a lot of people, a lot of people really want their story to be influential because it makes you a hero, right? In a sense. Yeah. But I think what you're doing, especially with what you did, like, that's such a, such a spontaneous story of how you started Women at Work. Like, that's so... Like, I would have never thought that you just, like... I was in class one day, and I was like, oh, I'm going to start a club. Like, I would have <laughs> never... literally how it happened. I Nobody ever believes me. Right. I would have never... Like, I mean, I write a lot. So I have, like, spontaneous, like, motivation to write books. But, like, start a club <laughs> she literally, for women's rights? Like, that's not... No, she literally gave me that sheet, and she was like, if you picked femininity, how are you going to back it up? If you're going to talk it you better walk it and i said okay i get it but i guess we're gonna walk it oh man like that is i mean okay the podcast was pretty like spontaneous that's the last like spontaneous movement i've started but my movement isn't 
necessarily I mean it was designed to change lives but it wasn't necessarily designed like to move people like a podcast you sit down in the car you listen to it you drive whatever <laughs> yeah your movement is touching people I hope so you know what I'm saying and it's and it's it's only gonna grow it's only gonna get bigger yeah I mean that's why so I have my event October 1st mm-hmm. um, the domestic violence march if you're from Bridgewater listening it's five o'clock Blue Ridge steps you should come out thanks I'll be there yeah please please show up <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to do that event because as a lot of people on this campus know, I am a victim of domestic violence. And for me, you wouldn't think that when you see me. I don't look like it. A lot of people who have domestic violence have PTSD, and you don't tend to see me have PTSD. And I would argue I'm fairly well-liked on this campus. I would argue that, and a lot of people don't associate well-liked people with domestic violence. They usually associate, they have these stereotypes that, oh, it's you know, the weird kids, the kids that don't show up to class, the kids that have drug problems, that kind of stuff. And so for me, this event is showing, I'm trying to show people I am one in three. Yeah. It's everyone. It's not just the we- that stereotype that you have, like the weird kids that don't show up to class and have drug problems. It's me. You know, I'm out here. I go to class every day. I have this these grades. I have friends. And it happened to me. And it can happen to you. And it's happening to so many people that you don't recognize. And so for me... This movement was just about showing people that it's not just the stereotypes, it's everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very important point, especially for the, you know, hashtag what the love challenge. We've been we've been working on that. But, um, you know, talking about like what what does a victim look like? Like, like you said, you don't look like one. I don't think I look like one. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone would look at me and be like. He's been hit before. Like I don't yeah. think anyone would would go through that thought process. Like I, I feel like someone actually told me this is the most rude thing anyone's ever said to me. Someone told me I look like an abuser. Really? I was like, I was so offended. So, it was actually, funny, but I was so offended. So actually, the first women at work activity we did for our first meeting was what does a victim look like? Right. And so on one side of the screen, we had people rattle off what they thought a victim looked like. So, you know, everyone said, oh, blonde, popular, really skinny. She goes to parties, but she's like super innocent, both yeah. smart, all of that. And we had people, you know, on the other side say, what does an abuser look like? And, you know, they all rattled off really stereotypical, terrible things. Yeah. And so we went through each side and we crossed off on the one side, like one thing from victim, one thing from abuser. And at the end, I was like, okay, so this is your new victim. So what kind of barriers does this person have if they're from a foster family and they have a drug problem, but they're really book smart and they go to class every day? What kind of barriers does that set up for them? And I feel like that personally opened a lot of people's eyes to what an actual victim looks like. And I'm hoping our march follows up with that. And they come out and they see all the signs that say, I am one in three if you're a woman, or I am one in four if you're a male. And they say, like, oh, like this is a problem. And for the first time, maybe they won't say, like, oh, it's that weird kid that doesn't talk. Yeah. And they put together, like, two and two, like, it's these people I see every day. Yeah. That that was the biggest point we made, me and Sam made in the first episode that we did for domestic violence is it's literally someone you know. Like, I, I started the whole challenge for, because, I mean, of course I know that there are more people out there. Like, I, I probably, probably could name off, like, eight people now that I know that have been through it. Um, not including myself. And then, you know, you know I, I dedicate that movement to people like that, you know, and keep in mind the people, probably four out of five, four out of eight, 
are some of the strongest women that I've known in my life. You know, some that, <laughs> ironically, some women that some men would call masculine because they're very, very strong, very self-independent, uh, very, like, st- strong physically <laughs> women, like, you know, that you would never expect that they would go through it. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think, I, I think that it's an important movement and I personally appreciate what you're doing, hey, even if I'm not a woman, cause it really doesn't matter. Civil rights is civil rights. Yes. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Women's rights affects everyone. I mean, I remember when I was going through it and nobody could even piece together mm-hmm. that I did it. There would be bruises on my neck and on my face and they'd be like, oh, those are some cool hickeys. And I'd be like, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, great guy, thanks. Yeah. Like, nobody would ever piece together that, wow, that looks like a fingerprint. Like, are you okay? Or, wow, that looks like a fist. Yeah. And it's just mind-boggling. Like, every day, you would never expect the people that you know to go through it. And then, I mean, I could rattle off probably six or seven as well off yeah. the top of my head. Those are only the ones that came forward and spoke to me. Yeah, right. And I mean, I think you told me something the other day, like, most cases go unnoticed or unreported. Uh, unreported, yeah. And I think that's the worst part of it all. And that that's my biggest reason for starting the What the Love Challenge was to be able to get people help to have more accessibility, you know, because, I mean, even if you don't have, if you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, which I guarantee you do you 100% always have somebody to talk to but you know having these organizations more prominent you know these organizations <laughs> it's like a it's like roots like roots of a plant like they go into communities and just spread everywhere yeah it's like it, just like what we do with BC United you know by by arming people with you know knowledge it's exactly what futures without violence does um, so shout out to them because they're great, but I don't know. I just, I, I would like, before I die, I want everyone to know that, or everyone to have accessible help, whether it be therapy, whether it just be like someone to talk to, whether it be, you know, someone noticing that could save a life. Yeah, literally it could. i after I graduate, I plan to... Do you know First Step in Harrisonburg? Mm-hmm. Domestic Violence Shelter, and we're working with them for the march. But afterwards, I plan to go into legal advocacy for sexual assault and domestic violence. Because literally, this kind of information can save lives. I've had so many women show up to me after my presentations and just be like, I'm worried about my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I'm concerned about my friend. She's in this relationship. She's crying a lot, and it's... So, I don't want to say comforting or relieving, but it's so nice to just know that they listened enough to get it through their head that this is a red flag and to come and find someone to talk to about it. It's progress. And, I mean, I don't know. My my other uh, passion was getting help for abusers because I feel like they're very... I don't want to say underrepresented because that means it makes it sound like I'm on their side. But forgotten is a term that I would I guess I would use because I feel like we I saw this thing I talked about it on one of the other episodes where it was a it was a um a guy who was in prison for uh domestic violence and battery like domestic assault and battery and he talked about he was like I've been doing it for so long now 
and not one single time did it occur to me that I was doing something wrong. Yeah. And you that's a type of disconnect that it takes so much self-reflection to be able to understand something like that. Yeah. To be able to understand like, oh no, I, I've done something wrong. I've hurt someone that I love, you know, because that's something that's really hard to face. And like sometimes your mind will just ignore it, yeah. you know, and that's, that's, I think that's the worst part, but, or one of the worst parts, but, you know, we have this villainization of them in culture, but I really, I truly don't want to believe, I guess I'm just a very like optimistic person but i truly don't want to believe that everyone every abuser does this out of the hate of their heart you know what i'm saying like i I, and i think that there's help that can be um given to them as well yeah i mean sometimes it's just all they i don't want to say all they know Mm -hmm. but if you're brought up in that kind of environment and nobody has ever shown you differently it's going to translate into your relationships and i mean i personally believe maybe had my abuser gotten therapy I think things could have turned out differently. I don't think I'd still be with him. <laughs> but I think, you know, maybe he could have seen right. back then. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any words of advice for people who are being slash have been in these situations? It's cliche, but they'll do it again. <laughs> Every mm-hmm. time. It's a cycle and a lot of people don't realize that until they're in it but you know it starts out and everything's great and it's perfect and that's exactly what you thought you wanted your whole life and then you know there's an incident and so maybe it'll start with yelling or just kicking or throwing something and it's real small and then they'll apologize profusely and they're so so sorry and then things will be perfect again you know maybe for years maybe for months I don't know how long and then something else happens and each time it just escalates And if there's anything that you can do, just know your red flags and know your cycle of abuse and know what's going to happen again. Because I dated my abuser for four years and the first three years I didn't pick up on it. And it wasn't until the fourth year that I was having my head smashed into walls. Yeah. It's a ringer. It really is. Um, my my best friend back home is going through something like this. Shout out to you if you're listening. You know who you are. <laughs> but um, it hasn't gotten extremely violent yet. But, I mean, of course, there have been, you know, death threats and yeah. threats against family members and stuff like that. But um, it hurts me that she keeps going through the cycle because I mean one of the one of the things we preach at the Righteous Warriors is finding your power and it's the whole reason I wanted to do the you know masculinity versus femininity um, contrasting episodes because I don't think there's that much of a contrast in the first place I think that everyone has the ability whether you're a man woman whatever gender you identify as gay straight home uh bi queer trans whatever whoever you are you have the ability to find your power oh yeah no i agree 100 percent. and this life we equate it to a race sometimes but at sometimes i like to equate it to a fight 
I can see that. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know about like boxing and MMA and stuff, but a lot of times you have to fight your fight. You know, a lot of times, like when you're in a fight, things will happen to you and you'll kind of lose sight of your strategy. You'll lose sight of, you know, why you're in the ring in the first place. <laughs> you know, why, yeah. why you're here. You'll, you'll forget about the money. I guarantee you, when you're getting your face beat in, you'll forget about the money. But you have to, you have to fight your fight and you have to stick to your plan and or the plan that if you're religious, the plan that God has set for you. If you're not religious, the plan that you have for you. Yeah, no, whoever you are, just own it. That's you. No one can take it from you. Absolutely not. This is your life. And whatever you decide to do, your power can never be taken from you by anyone. Um, and I pray and I hope that everyone listening to this and everyone that is touched by women at work everyone that is touched by the hashtag what the love challenge i pray that you all first find your power and then second understand what to do with that power and how to use it responsibly so that you can not only you know improve your life your quality of life keep yourself safe and happy but then also use that power to help others. I, our, my goal with the Righteous Warriors is to be more of a, a domino effect. Like, we're touching so many lives right now. You know, it's not a lot. We ain't have 100 views yet. You know, keep shouting us out though. But, <laughs> you know, I want people to start living. <laughs> I don't want to sound like Jesus. <laughs> I know that's kind of blasphemous to say. I'm sorry, Sam, but I don't want to sound like Jesus. But, Seriously, my whole plan is, you know, I will sacrifice my entire life, marriage, money, whatever, to get this message out there and to get people to understand how to live a better life and to get people to understand that they have power, to get people to understand that they, you know, their life is under their control. Yeah. You know, you are never in a position where you can't make it, you know. Sometimes you're going to have to take a risk. One of my one of my one of my friends from my old job, she um she had a girlfriend and a son. And she was living, you know, with this girlfriend and they were she was in a very emotionally abusive, I don't know about physical abuse, very financial abuse financially abusive, um, emotionally abusive relationship, and she couldn't get out of it because she felt like her parents wouldn't accept her back home and she didn't have enough money to move out on her own. And she didn't feel like she could have like a roommate since she had a kid. Yeah. I want I want to be able to help people like that to get their power back. Because she felt, you know, trapped. And I think that's a very good word to use for most abusive relationships. Oh, no, I focus so much on, oh, like I have an eating disorder. Like I'm a victim of domestic violence. Like, and I let that cast me in a bad life. And it took me until I get got here mm -hmm. um, last fall. For me to like truly understand that that yes it defines me but that doesn't have to define me in a negative light mm -hmm. i can take that and i can do what i'm doing now with women at work and i can show everyone around me that you like can be a victim of domestic violence or of substance abuse or drug abuse or whatever it is and you can still be yourself and you can still find your power out of that that could be your power mm -hmm. 
um, something Sam put on my heart. Shout out to Sam. I know you're listening to this episode, man. I miss you. But um, something Sam put on my heart was he told me sometimes we feel like we can't. Uh, sometimes we feel like we can't help people because we we've had too much negativity in our life. Whether you have been abused, whether you've been an abuser, whether you've been you know addicted to drugs, something like that. Um, he used it in the context of Christianity. So he told me, you know, some people feel like, you know, maybe God won't love me or maybe, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. And he explained to me that if it weren't for our negative experiences, how would other people know how to get through these things? Yeah. Sam is smart. Sam is, Sam is a genius. <laughs> Sam is, Sam is way smarter than me. And I really appreciate having, you know, someone like that in my life especially a male uh, figure like that in my life yeah. but no it took me two three years to understand that these things that you go through don't have to be the end Mm-mm. you know you can it feels like the bottom of a mountain or a, a valley it feels like you know you're in the middle of the dead sea but just because it feels like that for you doesn't mean that that's not the top of somebody else's mountain and they're not looking up to you right and i think i struggled with that it's okay but I do want to say um I really do appreciate you and everything that you do thanks um I think more women should aspire to be like you or work with women like you because you are very uh you're very smart very articulate um and you have a mission and I think that's something a lot of people are missing in their lives um you know, I, I definitely appreciate you doing this episode. You know, it's been a very powerful episode. And I think a lot of people are gonna get a lot of um, a lot of new perspective from this episode. I hope so. I hope somebody listens to this, and if they see a red flag, I hope they run. Or if they didn't understand what it meant to be a woman, I hope they do now. Definitely. That's what we're doing out here with the Righteous Warrior family. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any last words of advice for young women <laughs> in general? I would have asked this already. <laughs> um, but I think I'm going to piggyback off your idea that you should just find your power. Mm. I think all of us have been going through it. I can't name a single woman that I know who hasn't been through something at some point. And if you do anything with this podcast, I hope you take whatever that something is and you make it yours and I hope you own that and you say yeah that's me that's what I went through and I just hope you make it yours thank you I appreciate that on behalf of young women everywhere we appreciate you but um <laughs> somebody has to somebody has to <laughs> you do a lot man you work hard bro we were <laughs> how long were we in the eagle's nest trying to do some dang science there was like five of us four yeah, there was of us five of us for like three hours making these march <laughs> protest signs i mean you know, that that's passion yeah that that's passion and thanks for coming out i mean i was only there for like an hour hour ish because i was i was taking care taking care of myself self-care out here you know what it is but um you were like sorry i forgot i was at the store i definitely forgot <laughs> but i mean I, it, it's just you know, you're doing you're doing more than I'm doing. You're doing a lot more than I am for for women right now. So I, 
that's just where, where my heart told me I should be. Hey, you're but, doing this podcast. Something. I, I mean, trying. You know, we got big moves on the way, though. Y'all hey, pay attention. On, on Monday, we were in there for three and a half hours just talking, sharing yeah. stories and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah. For, for all of my young women listeners out there, I want you guys to understand that your life is a whole lot more than how you look. Your life is a whole lot more than uh, how you speak, how you talk, how you walk, how you dress, whatever. It's a lot more than the superficial, okay? And I want you guys to all understand that, first of all, you're not alone, okay? If you have any, you know, if you have any female friends, you know that, you know, you all go through very, very similar struggles (laughs) on the daily, (laughs) So, I mean, listen, don't be afraid to talk to your friends. Don't be afraid to share your stories. Don't be afraid to find your power. Just because you are a powerful female, just because you're a strong female, that does not make you unattractive. That does not make you masculine. I don't give a good gosh darn what anybody has ever told you in your life. Yeah, if you identify as a woman, you're a woman and you're feminine and that's it. And you are beautiful inside and out, okay? Your main focus in life like Kylie said, should be your career anyways. Don't don't stop it for no boy. I don't care how cute he is. And, you know, whatever you want to do with your life, it's up to you. Seriously. Um, of course, we always preach, you know, find your life purpose because that gives you a much happier life. But whatever you want to do with your life, it's up to you, man. The universe is going to let whatever needs to happen, happen anyways, okay? Um... Young men, listen to me. You better stop mistreating these young females out here. Men, be, men are abused too. I'm not talking floor. about that. I'm not talking okay. about that. I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about. I'm talking about y'all who make people feel like, uh, make women feel like they have to look like these supermodels. Make every woman feel like they gotta look like Kendall Jenner, be five foot eleven, and you know, whatever, whatever. And if you're a male that doesn't fit the male standard of beauty. You are just as good. That part, I appreciate that because yeah. I struggle with that too. But, <laughs> but um, listen, man, we're all in this together. I'm not talking to men. I'm not talking to women. I'm talking to everybody. We're all in this earth together for the next probably 50 years. So <laughs> I feel like we should make the best of it. And we should be here to help each other, not to be a hindrance. I'm tired of all the fighting. I'm tired of all the division. I'm tired of everything that's going on in this country and in this world. If Sam were here, he would talk about how um, his whole plan is to go global. You know, he doesn't stop in the United States. He doesn't stop in the black community. He doesn't stop in the female community, the male community, whatever. We want to change the entire world. And we want to build... A new society? I don't know what you would call it. But inclusive. An society. inclusive society? Peace? Peace on earth? We should treat each other well. That's what I said. Yeah. But, you know, we're chasing our purpose. Me and Sam found our power. Kylie found her power. And we're all helping other people find theirs. So you know what? I'm gonna leave y'all with this question. Are you ready to find yours? Righteous Warriors, we out.
us your tracks today. Your tracks today. 